Welcome to the GC Podcast, a podcast to help you develop into the healthiest ministry leader you can be by sharing practical ministry experience. Join GCI Superintendent of Europe, Gavin Henderson, and I as we discuss the four E's, engage, equip, empower, and encourage in this GC Podcast episode. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of GC Podcast. This podcast is devoted to exploring best ministry practices in the context of Grace Communion International Churches. I'm your host, Kara Garrity, and today I am blessed to have Gavin Henderson here with me, who is the Superintendent of Europe and National Ministry Leader in UK and Ireland. Gavin is married to Sinead and has three children, ages nine, seven, and five. They live in Market Harborough, UK, which is in the middle of the UK, and we are so glad to have you here with us today, Gavin. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Cara. It's uh, really good to be here, too. Um, When I got your invite to do the GC podcast, I was actually listening to a podcast at the time. So it was quite, quite exciting to have just been listening to a podcast and then get an email from you. So I'm quite excited to be doing this. Yes, I love that. I love that. And so I'm excited for this episode, especially because we're going to be, you know, kind of talking about and defining the four E's, which is engage, equip, empower and encourage. But before we dive into those, you know, definitions specifically, Gavin, could you talk to us a little bit about how the four E's connect with GCI's vision of of healthy church and why that's important to us? Yeah, sure. Um, so with Healthy Church, I think uh, a lot of what we're trying to achieve with Healthy Church is to bring uh, the practice of the church in line with the church's theology. Because when the theology and uh, the practice of the church are aligned, that's that's, that's really when we're at our, our healthiest. And uh, I think this really plays into the four E's because uh, one of the things that we've kind of learned from our theology is the importance of uh, being team-based, pastor-led. Um, and we actually have seen how when you have team-based pastor-led churches, uh, you have this cycle of the healthy churches creating healthy leaders who in turn then support healthy churches. And I think that is uh, you know, a, a fundamental part of being a healthy church is that you are not just thinking of, 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 of your own needs, but you're raising up new leaders, uh, uh, new people to help and participate in the life of the church. And so the four E's are really a kind of uh, a rhythm of healthy church. And I, I think sometimes we can make it very complicated. Uh, but if we think about uh, our call as Christians to uh, make disciples, uh, really this is what the four mm. E's is about. It's about uh, the multiplication of disciples, uh, which in turn uh, helps feed into ministry leaders and the ministry itself. Um, and I think this is a, a kind of foundational part of the church. And, and obviously the, the pastor has a, a key role um, in this aspect, but it's not just the kind of pastor's responsibility. Uh, really, you want to see this going on throughout the whole life of the church, uh, you know, throughout all the avenues, everywhere across the health of the church. You want to see discipleship making. You want to see uh, people not just turning up to church, but uh, participating in the life of the church, growing uh, in, in, in their roles in the church and the church growing uh, as a result of that. So I, I think the four E's are really a, a kind of key dynamic of the healthy church um, and uh, the team-based pastor-led model, which is very much what uh, we've been talking about for a while now in GCI. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you say, Gavin, you know, kind of bringing together um, and in alignment our, our theology and our practice in the life of the church, because that that really is the, the four E's. Like you said, it 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 really is just living the life of disciple making disciples, the, the mission of, of the church. And and so that that really is what what we're about. What a healthy church looks like is um, living according to the the purpose of the Church of of Jesus Christ, and and you know the four E's is just a, a framework that helps 
guide us to to do that. So I, I yeah, I really appreciate how how you put that. And so it it is something that that is a, an important thing for us to to kind of look at to help support us in in that participation in the mission of the church. And so I do want us to take you know, a closer look at what we even mean when we say engage, equip, empower, and and encourage. Because, you know, sometimes we can say words, right? And we think, you know, we, we mean the same thing when we say them, but maybe we don't. And so let's look a little bit at, at engage, the first of the four E's. How do we define engage in the life of the local church, Gavin? Well, I, I think engage is really quite a, a a critical one. Um, I mean, they're all very important, but I, I think with engage, it really starts with relationships. And uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think the root of of engaging and uh, bringing people um, into leadership or, or into roles in the church, uh, you can't skip the relationship stage. Um, and uh, as you build relationships with people, what it's really about is inviting them to be a part of what Jesus is doing in their life, in the church life, and in the world around them. Um, and really, you know, if we go back to we we think of the overall thing of of what we're trying to achieve. Uh, you know, if we look at the Gospels, we look at how Jesus interacts with people. We see that he had relationships with his disciples, and very much the engage element we can see uh, in the gospel passages themselves where uh, he works with the disciples and basically invites them to be a part of what he's doing. And I think that is that is a, a key part uh, of, of what engages about. So it's a kind of uh, intentional discipleship and recruitment. So it's not just building relationships, but it's then kind of uh, recognizing uh, people that you want to draw into uh, intentional discipleship with and and then maybe recruit them for a a particular role when you recognize uh you know some of the giftings they have for example um and part of this is kind of recognizing that uh when we think of the church when we think of the body of christ uh you know everybody is a part of the body of christ for a reason god has a plan for all of us and he's invited us uh, into his church, he's he's called us into the church, and we all have a, a gifting and a, a and a calling and an invite into participation. and And, and part of you know what engaging is is it's interacting uh, with that invite into participation. It's it's, it's helping drawing people uh, uh, into deeper discipleship, deeper relationships, and and and, and roles within the church. Mm. Yeah, Gavin, thank you so much. I really appreciate you uh, mentioning the importance of the engage aspect of, of the four E's and how relationships building is really foundational and how we even see that in the life of, of Jesus and his earthly ministry. Um you know, that that's so key. It's not just being, you know, entertaining or, or fun to be, be around, but it's it's being relational in the way that we're created in the image of God to, to be relational and then drawing into it a deeper way of, of being with people and, and being disciples one with another and participating in, in what God is, is doing. And so I think that that is... Um, you know, a really excellent way to be thinking about that engaged part of, of the four E's. And so if we think about defining engage in that way, kind of the, the natural next, next question that I have is, who do we engage in that way? Yeah, so I, I think uh, sometimes we can be too narrow in our scope over who we think should or should not be engaged. And I think it's important that we kind of keep our eyes open to what the Spirit is doing, uh, not only in our lives, but in the lives of people around us. And and, and, and really, we can engage everyone um, to some degree. Um, but certainly, you know, when we think of our church, uh, there are, you know, specific people in our church that, that sometimes we can see uh, uh, engage members and leaders uh, to bring them into that next steps um, of, in terms of discipleship and leadership. And sometimes, you know, that's exploring new areas of calling or along those lines. But, but really, we don't need to limit ourselves to that because we can also engage it, you know, the people in our neighborhood, uh, particularly when we think of, you know, uh, missional engagement and engaging, 
uh, with the, you know, in the area of the Love Avenue, for example, uh, because often there you are working with people in your neighborhood and we don't need to wait uh, until they become Christians before we build that yes. relationship and, and, and kind of start uh, inviting them to participate in what the church is doing, what Jesus is doing um, in their neighborhood. So I, I think it's important that, uh, you know, we we don't become too narrow in the focus over uh, who we can engage. Mm, absolutely. And, and what what I think is really important in, in what you've said is, you know, what what God is doing is is dynamic. His presence with us is, is dynamic. And so, you know, we continue to discern as he moves in our midst. And so, as you mentioned with um, maybe current members or leaders, maybe in a different season, he's moving in a different way in their lives or in that church community. And then in the neighborhood, even still he's moving. And if we come back to thinking about, like you mentioned, the, the life of Jesus in his earthly ministry, he kind of just called people off the street right, <laughs> and said, hey, follow me um, and, and called them to participate in what he was doing. And then formation happened from there. Then incredible things happened from there. But that engagement happened um, in a way that we might think of in our modern context as a missional engagement in the neighborhood. And so I think that's really key that you mentioned. Um, let's not be so kind of... Um, narrow or think so inside the box of of who we can engage but always be um always be engaging and having that kind of ear to who who god may be um you know nudging us to to engage in this particular way and how is he drawing us in and how is he moving um in in our midst and so you know one of the things that that i think when when we define these different terms is, you know, it's one thing to have a head knowledge, but it's it's another thing to think about what it looks like lived out, you know, and, and real life with flesh on it. And so when is a time that you've seen engagement done well, Gavin? Um, there's one example that probably stands out for me, um, which is in relation to uh, somebody in one of our Scottish congregations and his his wife was the worship leader uh, is the worship leader in the congregation and uh, her parents were both very active in the church uh, but he was actually at the time uh, not interested in religion not interested in faith um, but what happened was is because she would often be involved in preparing for the worship the next day um, she started he started to give her a hand in in helping her uh, prepare uh, the worship the next day in terms of the technical side of things that needed to be done and then over time that extended to him coming up to set up um, at church for her the next day and then over time he ended up staying for the service and now he's he, he's a very committed uh, a Christian a part of the community mm. and part of it was brought in. You know, the, the key thing with that is the relationship was there. You know, it, it wasn't yes. it wasn't a shortcut. You know, it wasn't rushed, but uh, he was able to to find himself being drawn into uh, the life of the church. And that's really what 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 helped him understand who he was in Christ. And, you know, uh, we may not always have as dramatic a call as uh, as that when we try and engage people. But I think it it kind of shows that that sometimes we do think quite narrowly when it comes to engaging. And uh, when you do engage and, and you recognize uh, what people have to offer, uh, certainly, you know, that's that's something that people appreciate knowing that uh, uh, somebody has has seen them and, and and recognized what they have to offer and I think that when when it's done well when it's engaged well um, it can be very powerful when you see how the life of the person involved is transformed and there is a transformation that comes via the four e's that that, that I think is one of the exciting things about mm. engaging. Uh, uh, this kind of uh, a tool and, and mythology for uh, the church. Yeah. Yes, and and in the story that you've shared, and even in in part of um, you know how you've defined engage, what I, I think is important for us not to miss is um, the this 
in the relationship building, the seeing of the person and, and what God has given them to offer, that really makes a difference, right? Than when we recruit just out of what we think is a, a need of the ministry or the church, right? Because then we can kind of engage people out of a sense of, um, well, maybe I just need to to use you as kind of a, a gear in this machine versus who is, is God forming you to be in his church, in his, in his kingdom. And that's where you see that transformation that you're talking about versus, well, I just need another, you know, chess piece on, on the board to keep this church programming going. And I think that's a really beautiful example that you've shared, Gavin. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yeah, yeah, I, I certainly agree with, with what you've just said there, Cara, because I think sometimes as well, with the engage, if, if, if we only engage out of need, the problem is people can see it coming. Uh, you know, if the only time uh, yes. the pastor speaks to you is when they need something, you know, you, yes. you see it as soon as they approach. And, and, and that's, that's true of the worship leader. It's true of, you know, uh, all the avenues. If, if, if the person is only approaching you because they need something, it, it doesn't feel right. But, but, and, and people pick up on that. But if you have this relationship and if you approach them and, and recognize what they have to offer, then it's, 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 it's very different, um, from just trying to supply a need and people respond to that, um, because I think if you if if you are kind of caught up and you know you end up serving out of need, you always have that doubt in your head about whether you know you are really the right person for the job or or, or whether you should be doing it, and 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 that can affect your your, your whole kind of outlook uh, uh, when it comes to mm. uh, whatever role you're serving in in the church. Mm, that's a really good insight. Uh, that's kind of the first E. Uh, if we move on to the second E, equip. How can we define equip? Yeah, so when we think about the the word equip, the the Webster's Dic- dictionary definition is supply with the necessary items for a particular purpose. And I think in this instance, that definition can actually help us with defining what equip means for us in the four E's um, within our healthy church vision, because. When I think about uh, equipping um, within the four E's and and in ministry partici- participation, team-based pastor-led ministry, I think about it as kind of like a holistic providing of experiences and tools and information or knowledge for the purpose of growing in participation in, in the ministry of Christ. And really that's, that's discipleship, right? <laughs> growing in... Um, participation in, in the ministry of Christ is is an important piece of the discipleship journey. And when we, you know, when I think about, about equipping, the reason I said holistic is that, um, you know, we're, we're full beings, you know, <laughs> we're integrated beings. And so, you know, I, I think often when we think about equipping, we can just think about um, maybe the head knowledge, what's kind of the the information that you need to know to do something, but there's also those hands-on experiences that are important to um, keep in keep in mind when we think about um, how we're defining equipping. And so I think the hands-on is also a, a really critical um, part of the definition of equipping. So things like mentorship, um, where you really get to live life on life and have that that experience where um, maybe those that more intangible kind of knowledge is getting passed on. It's more, you know, getting rubbed off on you than kind of passed down in a textbook kind of thing. Or apprenticeship where um, knowledge and skill sets are being passed along in a you know, a hands-on way where you're actually getting to practice it um, in real life and not just learn about it from a, a workshop or a webinar. Uh, and you're really getting to put these pieces into practice. I think that's an important aspect of um, how we want to define equip in uh, GCI. And then we do have the things like workshops and, and seminars and tools that that we have and knowledge that we need to know. And that's all um, really important. And if we stop there, I I believe that equipping is incomplete because um, we haven't had a chance to actually 
put flesh on it, right? And 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 see what it's like in motion. So yeah, when I when I think about how we define equip, I think it's the holistic piece of what knowledge and tools are needed and then and then what's that kind of experience where that can be really owned by by the person. It can be really uh, learned in a hands-on kind of kind of way. I think that's spot on, Cara, because I think, uh, you know, sometimes we can just have this head knowledge and, and uh, you know, it, it's useful having head knowledge, but often it doesn't provide you with the confidence you need to go forward. And, you know, uh, for, for me, for example, DIY isn't my strong point, um, but I, I, I do enjoy reading and I can read a di- DIY instruction manual and uh, about how to say, uh, uh, you know, do some plumbing or something along those lines. And and even having read it, I don't think I would ever go on and try it myself. Uh, if I watched a YouTube video, uh, <laughs> I might have a little more confidence, but nothing would be quite as confident as helping somebody else, you know, do that plumbing task, which would really, uh, uh, you know, give me that hands-on experience. And, and it's the same with ministry. Uh, uh, you know, you can read about uh, something. And, and I think many Christians, we... We do read books and and, uh, and we do uh, want to engage in, in 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 ministry and concepts like that, but it's not always not always as straightforward because you're lacking that practical experience. And and if we look at uh, the Gospels again and look at Jesus's approach to ministry, uh, one of the things he does is he includes. Uh, his disciples. So his disciples not just hear his teaching, of course they hear his teaching, uh, but as they go along, they also are able to ask him questions and interact with him. And then we see at key parts, he actually sends his disciples out so that they get that hands-on experience, um, which is which is so important in terms of building your confidence that, yes, you know, you, you can, uh, uh, you know, fulfill this role that, that is being asked of you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's an excellent example. I there are many things I would not try after just reading a book or watching a YouTube video. And there's a lot of things that I wouldn't want somebody else to try for me or on my behalf after just <laughs> reading a book or watching a YouTube video, right? And so, you know, of of all things, the the holy privilege of participating in the ministry of Christ. Um, would we not want to um, equip and be formed by the Holy Spirit well and create spaces to do that in a participatory, holistic, hands-on kind of way? And as you said, it is you know similarly to the way that um, Jesus modeled it in His earthly ministry. Absolutely, um, that's a that's an excellent example. And so as, you know, we're, we're equipping in um, this, according to this kind of definition or understanding of equipping, how would you uh, kind of get a sense for whether equipping is, is being effective or whether we're seeing fruits of um, the equipping that's taking place? Um, so I, I think when you think about uh, equipping and, and whether it's being effective, it, it does depend on the specific area of service or the ministry role um, that is being looked at. So you, you, you can't necessarily have a, a one answer that, that fits every kind of role uh, to this question. Um, but really, I, I think the, the biggest indicator that you have is when you see you know, transformation taking place in the person when you see uh, that they're growing more confident in their role, uh, when they move from that period of of just kind of following instructions to really making it their own, uh, when you mm-hmm. see the the, the, the the innovation start to come. Um, and uh, I, I think that's really exciting because what you're seeing is, is somebody responding to uh, the calling and, 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 and participating in what God is doing in their midst. And, and, and it's beautiful to, to witness that in a person. Um, and we have uh, um, the tool, the Apprentice Square tool that uh, we sometimes uh, use, which is uh, talking about how uh, we gain new knowledge and, and um, become more competent uh, as we move around. Uh, um, and I think uh, uh, that tool is quite helpful uh, when you take the time to understand how to use it to to really understand about how we how we grow uh, when we uh, 
uh, are learning a new skill or a, a new area of development. Uh, and what we want to get to the point is, is, is when somebody is both consciously and unconsciously competent. So uh, I, I, I think you can see it when you arrive at that, um, but it's, it's about helping people as they travel uh, along each side of the apprentice square um, because at, at each side they need a, a different level of support uh, uh, from whoever's training them up mm. um, but but really uh, I think you see where it's most effective when you see the innovation starts to come you know the 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 the, the flavor and, and the gifts and the, and the personalities that are unique to that individual, when they start coming through in that area, uh, not only is that very exciting, but it's, it's also when I think it's at its most effective. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are fantastic kind of signs for us to be um, keeping an eye out for that, that the equipping that's being provided is the right equipping, I guess, because you mentioned, you know, specifics to the area of ministry or, or where somebody's serving. So are we providing um, helpful equipping for the the task at hand or for that particular purpose? And, and is it being uh, effective? Um, is it helping that person to grow first and foremost as a disciple of Christ? And, and secondly, in that particular um, way that they're being asked to participate in ministry for that that season. I think those um, are are great things for us to be on the lookout for. And and when we don't see those things happening, sometimes you know, um, uh, equipping takes takes time. It's not overnight. And sometimes it's also okay to say, well, let's try something different, right? Everyone does learn um, in, a, in a different way. And, and we, are, um, we are learning even how to, to be learners, to be equippers. And so sometimes it's, it's also okay if we're not seeing some of these kind of signposts of effective equipping to kind of take a, a, a moment to pause and to say, okay, well, when we, if we think about quipping as defined um, in this way, you know, how can we kind of recalibrate, right, and, and come forward um, to, to, to think differently or try something new with this? And so I'm kind of wondering for you, Gavin, in, in your own experience, when there's been a time that you've been equipped particularly well for ministry participation and, and what that experience was like for you. Yeah, I think one of the things you were touching upon there is, is that when people, when people are being equipped, you know, the, the equipping has to come in stages to some degree. And if you try and give everybody everything they need to know at once, they just feel overwhelmed. And, and again, this is where the apprentice square is helpful to go back to. Um, and uh, I think sometimes, you know, you have to make sure that uh, your equipping is matched to the individual. And, uh, you know, one of the, the areas as we think of starting off in ministry participation um I was very blessed in, in growing up uh, to have uh, a father who was a minister. And and it, it, in many ways, uh, where I feel I was equipped from ministry was actually through just um, kind of riding along uh, uh, with my father as he went on uh, ministry events and visits. And, and a lot of the time, it wasn't even in my mind that I was being equipped. Uh, um, it was more that I just wanted to uh, spend time with my dad. He wanted to spend time with me. Uh, but inevitably, you would go along uh, and, and I would witness, you know, uh, what he would do uh, in, in, in ministry. And uh, I think that was very helpful for me in terms of equipping me, particularly where I was at the stage then, which wasn't, you know, I, at that stage, uh, I, I didn't know I was going to end up a minister. You know, mm. my, my dad didn't know I was going to end up a minister either. Um, but I think it, it gives you some idea about how you can be equipped uh, 
even through fairly simple things like just uh, accompanying somebody uh, and spending that time when you're doing your job with someone because uh, I, I can see looking back how helpful that's been in terms of my own ministry giving me confidence about uh, uh, what ministry involves and, 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 and the approach to take. Um, because sometimes I think with ministry, and again, this is very specific, me, for example, is that uh, the tone that comes across when you're, um, you know, uh, uh, with somebody who's uh, just lost a loved one uh, is, is, is really important more than necessarily having the right words. Because the truth is, if somebody's just dying, there aren't necessarily the right words that you can say to them. Or all you can do is point them to Jesus Christ. But you're... Your attitude, uh, uh, how you approach it—that's that—that's what's really important. The tone, and that's not easily something you know you can describe that. But um, you know, I, in many ways, I was—I I feel more equipped for some of these roles just because I was able to participate uh, uh, when my dad was involved in those kind of uh, uh, ministry areas. So, to me, that's a, a kind of personal one for me about my own experience of, in some ways, how I was equipped for this role. Um, and I think it's, it, it's a good example because, again, um, that's, that's, that's one that, that, that in some ways isn't, isn't too in your face, too much of an ask, but is a great starting point. Just, just come along with me and see what I'm doing. If you invite somebody just to see what you're doing, um, it can help them understand and, and take away some of the, uh, the fear about what they may be asked to be doing or, 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 or what may be asked of them if they take on this role. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for sharing that because I, I definitely agree that that come and see can absolutely be one of the most powerful forms of equipping because it's, it's that opportunity for... Um, kind of that mentoring that life on life to to see in real in real life what is what does this look like what does this mean so that's um yeah that's that's really a good word um and I praise God that you were able to have that experience so thank you for sharing that Gavin and so then we next um, move to the third E, which is the E that I personally live for. I love this E. It is the empower one. So what does empower look like in the life of a local church, Gavin? Empowerment is a, a, a really important one for me because I, I've kind of seen it happen where I've seen people who have been engaged, who have been equipped, um, but then they haven't been empowered for the role. And I've seen the frustration that that's caused in the individual and, and the difficulty it is. And I think when you're empowering them, one of the biggest things to think about is this idea of creating space for meaningful ministry. Now, what what do I mean by creating space is, is that if you train somebody up and, and develop them and equip them for a certain role, they need to be able to, you know, uh, practice that role in in a way that allows them to make it their own um and uh sometimes this can be a difficult one uh to manage the transition of because what you need to do is you need to have somebody step back uh so the other person can can step into the role to some degree um so it, it it's not just kind of delegating the role to somebody it's giving them a sense of of ownership um, and responsibility for the role that we uh, are, are wanting them to take on. Um, that's really important. Uh, but when we think of creating space, there's, there's kind of creating the space, but then you also have to help other people understand this person now has this space and is now involved in, in this meaningful ministry here. Um, and often to do that, I think it's helpful to commission the person so that there's a recognition mm-hmm. by others uh, that this is an area which, 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 which they are now uh, in leadership in. An example that I find is quite helpful in this is, uh, you know, in, in most churches, not necessarily all, there are a sound desk, you know, to amplify the sound. Um, and often when you're uh, having somebody working the sound desk, uh, you can train them up in all the equipment, but they really need to start using the skills you train them in uh, and, and they're equipped with. Uh, uh, otherwise, those 
those skills will start to disappear over time. The confidence they have will disappear. Um, so if you put them in the, that role, uh, you know, whoever was currently doing the sound system clearly has to kind of step back from that role. Um, and then at the same time, uh, if everybody thinks the other person's running the sound desk and nobody comes to the new person, then it's just going to create problems. And so I, I like the sound desk as a model for this one because I think it's an easier one for people to see. But the reality is for almost any role in the church, you have this, this similar situation going on where, where, where somebody, you know, you have to create space for, for what the person has been equipped to do now. Um, and the commissioning really empowers other people to see this person, to see the skills they have, to see that it's recognized by the church and that they basically are empowered to take the lead in this particular area. Um, and I think this is, this is uh, such a critical stage uh, when we think about, you know, the development of, of, of new leaders in the church, the, 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 the concept of discipleship. And, uh, you know, again, to go back to a kind of uh, uh, the model we have um, in the Gospels and in the Book of Acts, we we see that in in, in many ways this is what Jesus does. You know, uh, he mm-hmm. he had them come alongside him, but also in many ways the the, the whole point of Pentecost is it was um, you know this this commissioning uh, uh, of uh, uh, the disciples to to go out and to share the good news. And, and, and the space had been created for them to do that because because Jesus has called us into uh, to, to participate in what he's doing, his ministry to his world. And, and this is the, the great gift we have been given by Jesus Christ is, is that we are able to go out there and share the good news, the, the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, it, it's not just that, 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 you know, he, he kept the good news to himself, but but we we are able to be heralds, and that's 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 really exciting. Um, but we see again in that biblical model, uh, there is a, a creating of space and there is a commissioning. Uh, so as we go through these 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 four E's, um, you you really see that we're kind of following a, a kind of biblical model for them, but at the same time, uh, so much of it is about how we how we take uh, uh, these concepts and really apply them to the life of the church. Absolutely. And, and in, in what you're saying, what I, I think is really important and why I, I love the empowerment um, E is this idea that we're not just creating kind of mini me's to do things exactly how we would do it or to do the things that we just don't quite have enough time to do, but we wish we did. But like you're saying, creating real space, and then actually commissioning people into that space in a way that um, is really meaningful, releasing them to be led by the Spirit according to you know their own giftings and and what God is is doing in their life in their midst, um, freeing them to respond to um, God on their on on their own, not according to how I, I would or how I would want them to, right? Um, and still with, with responsibility, but um, not with this idea that you have to do it exactly the way that, that I would do it. So I think that that is um, an excellent definition that you've given us of, of Empower, Gavin. Thank you really for that. So what do you think, Kara? are some of the things that might tempt us to settle for a lesser definition of empowerment? Ah, uh, yes, yes. Because, you know, I, I and you mentioned this, and I, and I think this is one of the things um, with this E that kind of trips us up sometimes is we do the engage and, and we do do the equipping, and then we, we maybe fall short on empowerment or kind of settle for something a, a little less than this kind of empowerment that we're talking about, where maybe um, someone can like kind of do the thing that we've equipped them for, but they don't have full responsibility over it. Like I love the example you gave of, of the soundboard um, where, you know, you, you kind of have the skill sets, but you're not fully able to, to put them to use or you don't have the full responsibility or, or authority to, to lead in that capacity in that area of ministry because the previous leader hasn't stepped aside. Um, I, I think that that's something that 
you know, we, we experience pretty frequently in, in our, um, the lives of, of a, a local church. And, and I think that it, you know, we, we are kind of selling ourselves a little bit short of, of what we could experience in terms of vibrancy and, and health in our, in our church communities. And, you know, there, there are a number of things that, you know, always could contribute to, to why, you know, our decisions come out the way that they do. <laughs> um, you know, what what that looks like. But I, I do think there are some common things that we can keep an eye out for that can really help us support us in, in rising to this level of a definition of an empowerment. And I think one of the things that often will happen is um, when we have a lack of effective equipping, then, then we see um, or maybe you know, kind of identify a lack of competency in an area. And so then we're hesitant to fully empower, right? Because we're like, well, you know, maybe I, I can't give this space and commission this person to, um, you know, have full responsibility over this this ministry because they don't quite have all the skill sets that, that they need right now. And so to me, that's, um, that's an easy fix rather than just settling for a, a mini-me or someone to just, you know, kind of manage some tasks or do some delegation. We can just instead provide fuller equipping, you know, holistic equipping so that that person can fully step into a meaningful area and space of ministry that's in line with um, their gifting and, and what they have to offer the community of the local church. So that comes back to, you know, is the equipping stage, has that been, um, you know, it, robust enough um, to move on to the empowerment stage or have we rushed through? And then sometimes I think that that we can have a little bit of a lack of relationship, which leads to a, a lack of trust. You know, we're not going to necessarily empower and give over responsibility to somebody in an area of ministry if if we don't know that that we can fully trust them and so that comes back to really what you said right at the beginning of our conversation Gavin that that relationship is foundational to the engaged stage and so have we um you know thoroughly engaged have we built strong relationships before, you know, going ahead and saying, oh, well, you know, maybe you can kind of lead this. Have we built relationships that are hardy enough that we can actually trust people to be um, empowered in, you know, areas of ministry participation and and leadership? And I think both of those things um, kind of come back a little bit to, you know, we have a desire to control, right? Uh, I think that that's, that's in a lot of us um, as, as people, but but ultimately, um, it's it's Jesus's church, not not our own. And as you said at Pentecost, I mean, we've been empowered as His church um, to to preach the gospel. And so, you know, I think that's a bit of a mind shift for for us to take: is do we trust? Um, can we trust more deeply what God is up to in our midst? And and can we trust in this idea of the priesthood of all believers, right? That that he's calling all of his people into meaningful participation in his ministry and that that might require of us um, creating space and empowering others to do just that, to participate in that ministry. And then I think that the last thing that, that can be um, a barrier to us fully, um, you know, rising to this this awesome definition of empowerment is maybe even misunderstanding almost like like life stages and and capacities or capabilities at life stages. So I I like to think a lot about um, you know younger folks, right, youth and 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 young adults and what they're capable of. Um, I think that they're capable of a lot more than we often give them credit for. And so sometimes mm. there can be a hesitancy to empower um, emergent leaders because, well, maybe they're too young, maybe they they can't handle um, this level of responsibility, but when they've been well engaged and well equipped and and are well supported in doing so, uh, I think that that's one thing. And then on the other end of a intergenerational uh, church life perspective, I think sometimes when folks get into their senior years, we um, don't think about the ways that they can still meaningfully participate in ministry. So just because you can't go out and um, walk three miles going door to door, you know, <laughs> getting to know 
your neighbors mm-hmm. doesn't mean you can't write notes or something like that and be empowered to have an, um, a participation and encouragement note writing ministry or something like that, just as an example. And so I think, you know, um, again, it comes back to, are we thinking too narrowly about how God is working um, in the in the people, in, in our community and, and in our neighborhood? Or are we open to what people have to contribute to the, the life of the church? And so I, I think that those are some things. Now, there could be others, but I think those are some key things that, you know, when we let those be barriers and we're like, oh, okay, well, you know, we can empower people by <laughs> maybe letting them hit advance on the slide a couple times and then <laughs> that's it. We'll call that empowerment. But I think we're selling ourselves a little bit short if if we um, let ourselves off the hook and say that that's empowerment when I think, you know, by the power of the Spirit, God has called us to something um, really, really incredible uh, to participate in um, His His ministry in the priesthood of all believers. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the ones there that you know I, I've I've had some experience with is, you know, I think often the barrier to empowerment can s- sometimes be. Sometimes we use the term control, but I, I, I think it's more a, a kind of fear-based mentality of fear of letting go of something for what might happen um, as a result of that. Uh, and sometimes it can even be the pressure we're under because sometimes uh, if you've been working in ministry and you've been accumulating roles along the way, uh, you reach a point where you really are at capacity and you really need to you know, hand things off. But uh, sometimes that's easier said than done for you um, because of, of, you know, your fear about having to train somebody up, the amount of time it would take. Uh, mm. it, it's, it, it's so often to end up with that kind of mentality. Um, it's easier for me to do it myself than to train somebody up to do it. And that only makes sense really in the short term. It makes no yes. sense in the long term. But those are very easy kind of mentalities for us to adopt in the moment because Mm -hmm. if you find yourself pressured or or kind of overworked uh which can happen because uh uh, you know most ministry uh uh, are volunteers you know uh, most ministry workers are volunteers and so you know often you have your 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 day job you've got your family life you've got all sorts of things going on you know perhaps even health difficulties or or whatever and so you can find yourself in this stage where you're just really uh uh, overwhelmed and and it's easy for you to keep saying to yourself you know it's easier for me to keep doing this myself than to you know finish off handing all this over to the other person but that's just that's that's really a trap <laughs> and uh, if we carry on that way there's no way out and you know i i i, I can certainly voice <laughs> uh, my own experience of sometimes finding myself trapped along those lines and and really the only way to break free to 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 have that freedom, to have that liberation comes from uh, letting go and trusting others, you know, um, and particularly sometimes you can be, you can feel it difficult to trust when you've been burned in the past. Um, mm. And I think, uh, you know, this is one of the things that sometimes does happen um, in uh, uh, development and discipleship is, is, you know, Perhaps you've been working with somebody in the congregation and training them up for a particular role and they get trained in that role and you empower them and you commission them and you create space and they're great at it. You're encouraging them and then they get a job in another city and they move away. And it's, mm. it's heartbreaking <laughs> um, in a way. Um, but at the same time, you know, sometimes that's, that's, that's part of life and, and particularly part of the Christian life that we're called in, we need to just trust God that the skills we've helped that person with are going to be helpful uh, somewhere else down the line. Um, but we, we can't really put all our eggs in the one basket kind of concept. You know, we, we need to understand that, that the reality of life means that, you know, sometimes people will move away to another city or they'll have a family emergency. That means they need to step back. And, and this is why at the same time, it's so important that we keep uh, going with the four E's because what you really want to uh, uh, reach, the, the point you want to reach in a healthy church is where not everything is depending on one or two key people that you have 
you know, kind of redundancy in the system, so to speak, so that if, mm. you know, if something goes wrong, there are other people who are able to support and help out. And this is, this is why team-based pastor-led is, 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 you know, one of the hallmarks of being a healthy church is, is that you have a, a system that's able to deal with that. But uh, to do that, uh, you, you really need to lean in uh, to these concepts, lean into engaging, equipping, empowering, and, and, uh, and, you know, as we're about to go on to encouraging others. Um, so let's move on to encouragement. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for those excellent points, Gavin. Um, and as you said, encouragement, this is our final of the four E's. And, you know, it can seem like, you know, oh, yeah, that's an obvious one. That's simple. You know, we all kind of encourage. We're good Christian people. Of course we encourage. But we want to not miss um, how important this this is when we're talking about um, developing others' discipleship and, and, and really the the rhythms of, um, you know, a, a healthy church and in the life of a healthy church, because um, the encouragement is is something that, again, it comes back to not just a, you know, a pat on the back of, oh, yeah, good job, kiddo. But <laughs> it's, are we seeing people, right? Are we seeing them well? Are we seeing and taking the time to discern what what the spirit is doing in their lives, maybe how they're growing and transforming, how they're contributing to the life of the church, the ways that um, the the life of the church and the neighborhood are um, more like the kingdom because of who God is shaping this person to be and how they're contributing, right? And so I think that on a practical level, you know, encouragement is how we define that is continuing to speak life into that person and continuing to see them and name um, what what God is what what God is up to, what we see them doing, and and I think to be specific with encouragement, you know, I, I think that that's one best practice of encouragement, not just oh yeah, you know, you're great, that's so wonderful. If you could say it to everybody in the church, then is that really encouragement? But if it's something specific that is specific to that one person, um, who they are, who God is shaping them to be, the ways that they're participating in the ministry of Jesus in that particular season of their life, um, in that neighborhood, in the, the that local church um then that's really meaningful. That's a way that we get to participate even in, in Jesus's ministry of seeing people, right? <laughs> of speaking life into them. And then I think to bring that encouragement consistently, um, to, to do that. And I, and you know, I don't mean it doesn't have to be, you know, every five minutes kind of consistently, but if somebody has been serving, um, participating in a particular ministry role for two years, I think it's easy to, yeah, maybe, yeah, we encourage them for the first four months, but then at the end of year two, maybe we just take it for granted that they're doing a great job. So are we continuing to see people, um, to speak that life into them? And then, you know, maybe to, to do that in a way that um, is is unique to them as well. How do they hear encouragement? How do they be encouraged, <laughs> I guess? And not just to do, um, not just to speak life in, in the way that we like to speak life, but how does that person receive? Um, life and, and encouragement, I think, is is something that that is uh, helpful to consider as well. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that because people do receive encouragement in very different ways. You know, I, I think there are some people where you know being recognized, you know, um, uh, publicly uh, means a lot. Um, there are other people where you know they just don't want to be recognized publicly. And if you put them on the spot, they're just embarrassed about it. Yes. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I fall into that ladder category. And, and this one encouragement for me is, is, is always one that I think that I need to focus on more. I don't, I don't feel it's, it's one of my natural strengths. I wish it was, it seems sometimes crazy. I think that encouragement isn't, but it's just, it, it just doesn't naturally come from me. Um, as my wife is very good at, at, at reminding me, uh, but one of the things with encouragement that I think that I've kind of learned as well is is that 
sometimes when you're in a leadership position, you have people come to you and say, you know, didn't so-and-so in the congregation do a fantastic job? And sometimes we need to stop and say, you know, they did. Have you told them that? Because mm. sometimes, uh, you know, the, the encouragement that's needed isn't just from the pastor. It's from, you know, the congregation. It's from, you know, the, the, the community, the wider people around. Um, and, uh, you know, what you really want is a culture of encouragement where everybody is looking to encourage one another, again, with, you know, specifics and, 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 and consistent there. But um, if it's if it's just one person in the congregation doing all the encouraging, then uh, it ends up looking like, you know, uh, that person's gifting as opposed to real encouragement, if that makes sense. So I, I think it's yes. important that this is viewed not just through the pastor-led lens, but through the team-based lens as well. Um, that that really, with the four E's, when it's, it's working together, um, you know, you're not talking about one person who's doing all this element. You come back to that 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 team-based element, and the encouragement is one where I think uh, uh, that 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 that's easier to see to to, to some degrees, but it, it also carries more weight when you know, the whole team recognizes somebody for their, their, their contribution. Yeah, that's, that's an excellent, an excellent point, creating a culture of, of encouragement and kind of bringing everyone's voice into that. That's excellent. Well, as we uh, begin to wrap up our time today, Gavin, what encouragements would you share with those who are, you know, learning to put the the four E's into practice with their teams and in the life of their local churches. Well, I'll, I'll tell a story. Um, I gave a, a presentation uh, to some of our, our ministers here in the UK on the four E's. And uh, unbeknownst to me, a couple of months later, uh, uh, one of the uh, the ministers was doing a quiz in the church and they put this up as one of the questions about uh, the church to see whether anybody could name all four E's. And uh, it was clearly an issue for everybody to remember uh, all four of the E's. People kept getting three of the E's, uh, but they couldn't remember that last one. And it was just quite amusing watching everybody kind of, um, uh, you know, struggle with that. And sometimes I think at times, you know, we can almost be put off by some of the, the, the buzzwords and, you know, trying to remember all these little things. Uh, um, I, I think it's so important that we understand the value that comes out of, 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 of this tool that we are discussing. And it is tool. We, we need to think of it in the context of being a tool uh, to help us, to, to, to help us uh, to develop um, you know, good habits when it comes to uh, developing up new leaders and, and, and multiplying leaders. Um, so for some of the people that I think who are just beginning, uh, what I would say is, you know, it, it's, it's worth persevering, um, you know, with these mm. concepts. Don't, don't expect to just read it the one time and think that you can come away with it. Uh, you need to, you know, really stop and, you know, let it expand in your mind and think about what does it mean uh, to engage uh, uh, with people with respect to, uh, you know, the four E's. Uh, what does it look like when you recognize the giftings in an area? And then, you know, how do you go about perhaps recruiting that person uh, to a specific role? What does, you know, equipping them look like in that particular context? And that's really where you get the value. So to some degree, you know, you get more value out of the four E's, the more effort you put into uh, uh, developing these concepts um, in your own mind. Um, and that's, that's really being, you know, what, what I would say to people who were just kind of beginning uh, with this is, 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 is persevere. You know, the, the terminology is there to, to help you uh, understand uh, uh, these key concepts um, that we've been discussing today. Thank you so much, Gavin. I really appreciate all the insights that you've had to share with us today. They've been really helpful, and I'm sure that they will be helpful to all of our listeners. But before I let you go, we have a little bit of fun to have. So I've got a couple of uh, fun, random questions that you can answer with whatever comes to mind first. So if you're ready, here we go. Okay, I'm ready. If you could instantly become an expert in something, what would it be? 
the immediate thing that came to mind was medical stuff. I have no idea why that came to mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess at one point in my life, I wanted to be a doctor. I think that ship has sailed. Um, I don't know what I would do with all that knowledge if I had it now. So, yeah. Maybe we want the next a question. Thanks to have immediate expertise on. You know, people pay a lot of money to get that expertise. So. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So I, you know, I would skip, you know, quite a lot of uh, years of learning there. So that's, that's right. <laughs> All right. If you have to sing karaoke, what song is your go-to song? Well, I, I, I am very musically challenged. I'm going to put it that way. Um, and uh, I, I, I really do struggle with music. And I've, I have two specific things that I struggle with. One is uh, that I can't keep rhythm at all. Uh, I'm one of those people that when people are clapping along with songs, I can't do it. I, I've worked out that I can um, read the lyrics for a song and I can sing the song at the same time, but I can't read, sing and clap at the same time. Uh, if, I'm, if I want to clap in rhythm, I, I really need to be watching somebody else uh, otherwise, I don't keep the rhythm. The other problem I have is that I just genuinely am not very good at remembering lyrics to songs. You know, I've practiced this over time. I had specific songs um, that uh, I would sing to my children uh, uh, when they were growing up, you know, like nursery songs. And uh, I would be there uh, when I'm singing to them, reading them off my phone. And, you know, I, I read some of these songs, you know, and sang them every day to my kids, uh, you know, every night for a couple of years. And and I'm shocked now when I go back to sing them how little of those nursery rhymes that I can remember. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to kind of duck that question because I, I tried to do karaoke once and uh, it's a pain I'm not looking to repeat. <laughs> yeah, so you're a non-karaoke-er. Yeah. That's, that's well, all right. That's all right. <laughs> I enjoy watching other people, you know, yeah. uh, uh, if they're good. But, uh, <laughs> we can't all be gifted in everything. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this next this next question, I know you're gifted in this. What is your favorite meal to cook? Oh, see, my 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 favorite meal to cook is probably always the next one because uh, one of the <laughs> things I, I I really enjoy doing when I'm cooking is. Uh, you know, part of it is the excitement of trying to find a new recipe I haven't done before, something that mm. looks exciting. And so I, I, I always kind of um, enjoy that next meal that's coming up because part of the enjoyment I, I get, particularly as a cook, it's not just, you know, you want the meal to be good. You want to enjoy eating it. But for me, I like the whole process and, and including that kind of planning process where you're working out what to cook, you know, and then you're getting the ingredients, then you're actually making the recipe. And for me, that, that planning element is the one that, that I like the most. And so it's not specifically one recipe every time that I turn to it and it is my favorite. It's more that I, I enjoy the experience of, you know, learning about a new cuisine or a new dish or particularly if there's a, like a new ingredient I haven't heard mm. of. Um, that's that's what I find very exciting. Okay, yeah, that's a lot of fun. All right, this next one. What's the best phrase or piece of slang that people in your hometown use? <laughs> hmm. Oh, this is a difficult one. <laughs> The challenge for me here is, is, is <laughs> I don't really like uh, using slang phrases. I, I even struggle to use nicknames for people because it's not that I have anything particularly against it. It's just my personality doesn't really lend itself to that. Um, ah, fair enough, fair enough. Sorry. <laughs> I know that's not, that's not the easiest answer to give there, but I, I'm struggling to think of anything. But uh no, that's a that's okay. Yeah. You've you've answered to say you're not a you're not a slang kind of person. That's your answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was looking forward to some good, you know, British phraseology, but that's okay. Oh, well, <laughs> and well, then... well, I've probably given you some already. Uh, I, when when <laughs> when I was talking about DIY and plumbing earlier, I was going to say. Uh, uh, you know, changing the tap, but you say faucet, and I thought, oh, right, okay, <laughs> maybe I won't. Use <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. And then our last question: What's something that always gives you childlike joy? What is something that always gives me childlike joy? 
Um, I actually uh, really enjoy playing tricks on my children and my wife too. <laughs> and I have to say, nothing gives me more joy than when I when I really get them uh, with whatever particular you know uh, trick or, or 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 prank I played on them um, at the time. Uh, so that that would definitely be my answer. Then. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, thank you so much, Gavin, for joining us on the podcast today. We had a really rich conversation, and I hope that our our listeners are able to um, gain some great insights from it, from it. It is our practice with GC Podcast to end the show with prayer. So would you be willing to pray for our churches, pastors, ministry leaders, and members in GCI today? Of course I would. Of course I would. Yeah. So let's pray. Thank you. Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to be able to come before you. And Father, you are the source of all good things in our life. And let us never lose sight of that. Let us never lose sight of all the amazing and wonderful things that you've done for us. And Father, we've talked today about how we can step into greater participation into what you are doing in our lives and in the life of our church, Lord. And Father, as we think about the four E's, as we think about discipling others, Lord, we just, we always ask that everything that we do be to your glory, Lord, that you guide our steps, that you you help us in the decisions that we make. And Father, as we think about the uh, churches we have here in GCI and the pastors and the ministry leaders and the members, and Father, We just ask that you help us all to draw closer to you. Let us clearly fix our eyes on Jesus and and follow him wherever he is leading us, Lord. And so, Father, we place our trust in you and we just ask that whenever we use these tools, whenever we have these discussions, that we always use them remembering your son, Jesus Christ, remembering the good news that we have through him, Lord, that we are called to be his his witnesses to the world lord so let us let us go out into this world let us be his witnesses and let's proclaim the gospel the good news of jesus christ and we say this in the name of your son jesus christ and through the power of the holy spirit amen amen well folks that's all we have for today so until next time keep on living and sharing the gospel we want to thank you for listening to this episode of the gc podcast We hope you have found value in it to become a healthier leader. We would love to hear from you. If you have a suggestion on a topic or if there is someone who you think we should interview, email us at info at gci.org. Remember, healthy churches start with healthy leaders. Invest in yourself and your leaders.